If you have been worshiping with us for any period of time, uh, you know what my theme is going to be this morning. It's reading the Bible through in a year. This is my 34th New Year here at the church. So uh, if you have taken the challenge, which we gave the very first uh, message that uh, we had for the new year, uh, to read your Bible through, and we've been saying that every year since, if you've taken up that challenge, it means you have been reading the Bible through at least 33 times. So congratulations, and hope that you will purpose in your heart and mind to continue to read the Bible through if you've been doing that, and if you haven't, I hope that today you will make that <coughs> decision <laughs> to make that resolve uh, to read your Bible through at least one time this year. This morning, we're going to look at uh, some laws that were given to the king of Israel. At this point in history, in our text, there is yet no earthly king in Israel. God is the king of Israel, but the time is coming when they're going to have an earthly king. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, there are a series of, of laws that are set forth to, go, to uh, establish the way in which these uh, kings are going to rule over the nation of Israel. This morning, we look at a law that speaks to the king's relationship to the word of God. And so our theme is lessons that we learn from the king's relationship to the word of God. Lessons we learn from the king's relationship to the word of God. The first lesson is the importance of venerating or respecting the word of God. The word of God was to be valued. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18, it tells us that the king, when he sat on his throne, was to make a copy for himself of the law of God. Notice 17, 18. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a, cop, in a book a copy of this law. Now we might ask the question, did he actually have to pen, as it were, the scripture for himself? Did he actually have to uh, perform this work or could he have commissioned a scribe? We don't know definitively the answer to that question. It has been charged, says uh, the Expositor's Bible Commentary, it has been charged that these Observations are idealistic and impractical, but no such notion is implied in the text of Deuteronomy, end quote. So we don't know whether or not the king actually was to copy the law for himself or if he could have it commissioned. But at the very least, the king was to obtain an accurate copy of the word of God for his own use. Notice verse 18. He shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law, and now these words, approved by the Levitical priests. Approved by the Levitical priests. According to tradition, there were some very strenuous standards that were established for copying the word of God in the Old Testament era. The uh, Priests were very, very concerned that God's word would be honored and that it would be correct. 
And so according to tradition, there were some rules that were established for those that were copying the Scripture. There were scribes, we read about them in the New Testament, the scribes were those individuals that would copy the Word of God. And so such rules would be established as, number one, no letter was allowed to be written from memory. Uh, they would look at a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, say an olive, and they'd write an olive. Then a bath, and they'd write a bath. And then a gimel, and they'd write a gimel. They wouldn't even look at whole words. They would take a letter, write the letter, look at the letter, write the letter, look at the letter, write the letter, and they would do that in the entirety of their uh, transcript. The second thing they would do, after they completed the line, they would count the number of characters in the line. And let's say there were to be 24 characters in the particular line that they copied. If they had 23, they knew they made an error. And so what they did was destroy the roll. Yes, you heard me right. They destroyed that scroll and started over. Didn't matter how far they were in the text. If they made an error, they destroyed it and started over. For they wanted a perfect copy of the Word of God. Then, you know, if uh, you have a spell checker, uh, you realize that sometimes you can inadvertently misspell a word and come up with a real word. And so, not only would they copy, they would uh, count the number of characters in a line, so if there were to be 24 characters in a line, they would count to see if there were 24 characters. And if there were 24 characters, then they would count the number of particular letters, like an alpha, or a baith, or a gimel, or a daleth, or a hey, wow, zion, whatever the Hebrew letter was, how many letters there were to be in that particular line, let's say there were five alephs, they would count to see if there were five alephs. They would count to see if there were six baiths. They would count to make sure that the right number of letters was present in that line. And if it was, then they went to the next line. That's how they exacting they were in the copying of the Word of God. So they were to have an approved Levitical copy of the Word of God. Probably the intention was that the king would not be able to alter the Word of God in any way. That uh, he would not massage the Word, if you will, uh, to meet his own desires, his own standards, that his own ideas would not weave them way, their way into the text, but that they would have an accurate rendering of the Word of God. Now probably we don't have to worry too much about uh, copying errors in our day. We live in a digital world. Now, there are still sometimes errors you can find, things written, copied upside down, and uh, those kinds of issues. But by and large, copying isn't uh, much of a problem. However, we do live in a period of time in which there are myriads of translations, all kinds of translations out there. Some are of better value than our Others, And I would encourage you, as you read your Bible through, that you would pick a good translation uh, to read from. And uh, there are four that I would recommend to you. There are other good ones, but I will give you these four. Um, I would uh, highly recommend the English Standard Version. It's what we're preaching from these uh, Sundays. Uh, the New American Standard Bible the King James Version, and the New King James Version. I think all those are, are very good translations. The reason that I highlight the 
English Standard Version is because <clears throat> the ESV Study Bible, now that title, the ESV Study Bible, there are other study Bibles by, with an ESV text, but the ESV Study Bible, that title, uh, those notes, in my estimation, are the finest in uh, study Bibles. And so that's why I would really encourage the ESV uh, Study Bible. The NIV has changed from 1984 to the present. That 1984 version is no longer available, and the uh, new version uh, has brought some changes that are uh, troublesome. And so I would just encourage uh, one of those four that I just mentioned. So we read an accurate translation of the Word of God. Uh, not a paraphrase, uh, but uh, an accurate translation that uh, comes directly from the Greek and the Hebrew. Number two, the second lesson is on keeping the Bible accessible. Keeping the Bible accessible. Our text says in Deuteronomy 17, 19, and it shall be with him. It shall be with him. Now, does that mean that the king had to carry the scroll under his arm every place he went? Probably not. Probably not. But it does mean that it was to be accessible to him at all times. Thus, at least, when he traveled, he was to take it with him. Where uh, he was going to be away from the throne for any duration of time, he was to take the law of God with him. There is great value in always having the word of God on us. Dwight L. Moody, some of you might know that name, always prided himself in having a copy of the scripture with him at all times. And he would challenge his audiences to do likewise. Moody offered a reward of $5. You have to realize the time period. $5 was more back then than what $5 is today. Doesn't seem like much of a prize. But back then, the $5 went a lot farther than it went today. But he offered a prize of $5 if anyone could ever catch him without the word of God on his body. Well, one day, <clears throat> he was in the YMCA, and he was headed to the locker room for a shower, having on nothing but a robe, and one of the parishioners came up to him and said, Brother Moody, do you have your Bible on you? And he opened up his robe, and in there was a pocket that his wife had sewn, and there was a New Testament. He pulled out and said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, he prided himself in always having the Bible. Uh, I heard that story when I was a kid. And uh, I used to always carry a, a pocket Bible with me. Uh, not just the New Testament, but a pocket Bible. Some of you older people can remember those things. Uh, there was a time I could read that print. Uh, it, was, it was pretty small. But the idea was, was to have the Word of God on you. Now that wasn't just simply uh, for uh, a good luck charm, uh, nor was it intended to be symbolic in nature. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy 6, we do have a symbolic use of the word of God. In Deuteronomy 6, it says this, Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. And so they would actually have what were called frontlets or phylacteries. Frontlets were just little snippets of the word of God that they wore on their forehead. It was symbolic in nature to say, the word of God is going to ever be before me. They would wear uh, phylacteries, which were just little uh, boxes that would be carrying just a snippet of the scriptures. You couldn't read it, but it was there symbolically to say whatever their hands would do would be under the authority of the scriptures. That was symbolic in nature. This was not to be symbolic in nature. They were to have it with them so that they, in fact, could read it. They could read it. We live in a day and age in which you don't have to carry a pocket Bible on you. Uh, It is very easy to carry uh, the scriptures on your person. If you have a smartphone, you can download uh, a number of versions on your Bible, uh, on, your, uh, on your phone, okay? I have 16 versions on my cell phone, okay? It's, you don't have to just carry one, but uh, 16 different versions on my, my cell phone. Uh, you can have it with you at all times. Third, the third lesson is that the Bible should be read daily for the entirety of our lives. Notice Deuteronomy 17, 19. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. Not only should you have it on you, but you should read it. It isn't, again, just for good luck's sake, and it isn't just for symbolism, but you have it so that you can read it. Read it. Uh, I was pleased to see a Barna research that said uh, concerning teenagers from ages 13 to 19 in the United States, seven out of 10 teens own a copy of the scriptures. Seven out of 10, that's all American teens own a copy of the scripture. Now, very few read it, but at least they own it. Here it's saying not only should you have it with you, but you should read it. And all the days of your life, which connotes two things, First, all the days of his life would include the idea for as long as he lives. As long as he lives. And he shall read it all the days of his life. He shall read it as long as he lives. Not just as a young person, but as an older person as well. Thus, the scriptures should be read repeatedly. Repeatedly. We shouldn't be satisfied if we have just read our Bible through once and say, okay, I met that goal. Or even if you read it through 33 times and you say, well, well, I've read it the last 33 years. Well, read it for the next 33 years as well. Continue to be reading the scriptures. So many of the kings of Israel and Judah started off well, but ended poorly. That they started off in hearts that were faithful to God, Solomon and a host of others, only to find themselves latter years of life walking away. 
Uh, it's important that we continually be reading the word of God. All the days of your life, as long as you live, you should be reading the word of God. The second connotation is that it is to be read every day. Every day. It is to be read daily. Daily. And that's another reason why I encourage people to read the Bible through. And I encourage them not to just read it all in the book of, all in the month of January and then put the Bible away for the next 11 months and then read it again and uh, read it through in January and put it on the shelf. No, read it every day. Every day. And uh, many of you will be able to read the Bible through more than once in a year. But uh, read it through at least once in a year on a, a regular basis. According to the Barna Research Group, the majority of those that profess to be Christians, the majority, read their Bibles four times a year or less. They open the scriptures four times a year or less. More than 50% of not just Americans, but of the Americans that say they are, are Christians. Uh, Bible reading in our day and age is fallen uh, out of vogue. People just aren't reading the scriptures. I am pleased that so many of you are reading the Bible through, and I would encourage you to be a good example to, to others. I, I mentioned teens. According to Barna Research, 3% of teens read their Bibles regularly. 3% of teens read their Bible regularly. But it's interesting. 37% of teens think that that would be a good thing to do. To look upon it favorably. That uh, have a good attitude towards those that do. It's just a matter of the fact that they don't do it. That's true of so many people. They, they think that would be a good thing to do. They just don't do it. Uh, here's a, a poem written by Amos Wells entitled, Read It Through. And it says this. I supposed I knew the Bible, reading piecemeal, hit or miss, now a bit of John or Matthew, now a snatch of Genesis. Certain chapters of Isaiah, certain Psalms, the 23rd, 12th of Romans, 1st of Proverbs, yet I thought I knew the word. But I found a thorough reading was a different thing to do. And the way was unfamiliar when I read the Bible through. You who like to play at Bible, dip and dabble here and there, just before you kneel a weary and yawn out a hurried prayer, you who treat the crown of writing as you treat no other book, just a paragraph disjointed, just a crude and patient look, Try a worthier procedure. Try a broad and steady view. You will kneel in very rapture when you read your Bible through. Uh, it is important to be reading the scriptures. I hope you have some kind of daily devotion. Uh, you may uh, choose to read the daily bread and all those kind of things. That's great if you read a verse of scripture and meditate upon it. But please be reading the Bible through. Give yourself to know the entire word of God which I'm going to slow down and then come to this fourth. The fourth lesson is that there are great spiritual benefits in reading the Bible daily. Deuteronomy 
that his heart might not be lifted up above his brothers, that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either the right hand or the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel. So it talks about benefits to him personally. It talks about benefits to his kingdom. It talks about benefits to his family, to his children. It talks about the way in which it's going to guard him spiritually. Guard him spiritually. I'm not going to exegete that, but rather I want to make some practical applications in the time that I have left. Unfortunately, this command that was given to the kings often went unheeded, and there were some dire consequences as a result. Both the kings of Israel and Judah had forsaken the Lord and his word. The result in the day and time of Josiah was that the temple had become in disrepair. It had been ravaged of its gold and pricely furnishings in order to pay tribute to foreign kings. The kingdom was going to be destroyed and the children of Israel were going to go into exile. The word of God had been ignored. How ignored had the word of God become? Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 22. Second Kings 22. We are in the period of Josiah. He's a young king. He decides to reestablish temple worship and repair the temple that's in disarray. He hired people to be working on the temple. And as they were working, we read 2 Kings 22.8. 2 Kings 22, 8. And Elkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Elkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. Verse 9. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahiakim the son of Shaphan, and Achbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Can you imagine that they had forgotten about the book of the law? That the scriptures were lost in the temple. In Deuteronomy 31, 26, it says this. Take this book of the law and put it by the side of the ark of the covenant of your God that it may, that it may be there for a witness against you. So they were to have a copy of God's law and they were to place it next to the ark of the covenant. Well, they had moved the ark of the covenant out of the temple and they, were, they brought it back and so the temple was in disarray, and this book that was always supposed to be next to the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there, and obviously they weren't reading it, and obviously they weren't using it, and obviously they weren't following it, and that's why Israel was going into exile. That's why all the problems came down to them that they were, and then as they're 
repairing the temple, all of a sudden they say, look at this. What's this? And they open up, and it says a book, but it's a scroll, and they unfurl the scroll, and they say, wow, this is the law of God. Now, I don't think it totally passed out of their mind. I think it's kind of like a person going up into the attic, you know, and opening up some old boxes when they're ready to move or ready to have a spring cleaning. And as they open up the box, all of a sudden they bring out things that they had forgotten about. And they sit and they reminisce as they look at the pictures or as they, as they look at their old high school sweater or something like that. And they say, oh, wow, do you remember that? They said, here's the law of God. For 75 years, they had not been following the law of God. They had forgotten about it. We live in a period of time in which God's word is being lost. Well, we have it. We have it in abundance. As I say, we, can, we have it on computers, we have it on phones, and, but people aren't reading it. People aren't following it. Even in, in churches, people aren't preaching from the Word of God. So we need to read the Bible. Our text tells us of some of those benefits. I'm going to add and talk about some other benefits. According to the Gospel Coalition, Jeff Robinson wrote five reasons to read the Bible through in the entirety in its year. Number one, reading the Bible through annually helps you learn the overarching meta-narrative of the Scripture. In other words, it gives you the big picture. It helps you to understand Genesis to Revelation, understand what's going on. Reading through the Bible will improve your ability to interpret and exegete Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. The more you read it, the more you'll understand it. Reading through the Bible will keep you habitually in the Bible. That aspect of reading it every day. Reading through the Bible will ensure that you are engaging God's Word at least as frequently as you are engaging other solid Christian books. In other words, to be sure that you're not just reading about the Bible, but reading the Bible itself. It's easy, like in those daily devotionals, to read about the Bible, to read what other people are saying about the Bible. It is not the same as reading the Bible for yourself. Coming and hearing me preach about the Bible is not the same as reading the Bible for yourself. And then lastly, reading through the Bible will force you to navigate those tricky, less traveled roads of Scripture. There are certain pet passages that people know, certain Bible stories that everybody enjoys. But there are other portions of the Word of God that are a little more difficult, uh, a little harder to understand. Reading your Bible through will ensure that you are studying the whole counsel of God, that you're not neglecting certain aspects. Certainly in our day and age, it's very, very common for people to be only reading the New Testament and not reading the Old. Uh, you're going to have a really perverted view of who God is and, and what righteousness is if you only read the New Testament and fail to read the Old Testament as well. There are 
many, many benefits. But I trust that I don't have to uh, really sell you on the benefits, even as Barna's research showed that most people have a high regard for the scriptures. Most people think reading the Bible through is a good idea. Uh, I think most people here this morning would believe that the Bible is the word of God and that obviously there are benefits. And then the question is, well, why don't we? Why don't we read the Bible more? The number one reason that people give for not reading the Bible more is that they are too busy. They are too busy. Uh, there's just so much things to do, uh, so many things in a day that you just can't get to it. So here are some practical suggestions. Number one, pray and ask God daily to help you read the Bible. First thing is you get up in the morning, ask God to say, Lord, help me to make time today to read your word. Uh, ask God to convict you and enable you, empower you. Uh, Lord, help me uh, to read the scriptures. Make it more than just a personal resolve. Uh, ask God for help in being successful. Number two, if you started reading last year and you stopped and you gave up, I would encourage you not to start over, but pick up where you left off so that you can read through. Okay, so if you haven't made it, pick up where you left off and finish. Three, establish a time to read the Bible. Try to create a habit. Try to get into a good rut. Okay, early morning, late night before you go to bed, whatever works for you, uh, lunchtime or your lunch hour, whatever the case may be, set a time to read the scriptures. Number four, in addition, the advantage of having the Bible on you, okay? Read it throughout the day. Read it, and you've, people have heard me say this, I, I say it every year, but it's so true. Read it while you're waiting for things, while you're in a doctor's office and you're waiting, while you're waiting in the car, after you're picking up your kids, you know, it's basketball practice and you're sitting there. Read your Bible, just pick it out, okay? Uh, while your wife is shopping, whatever the case may be, but while you're waiting, just pick it out and read. You'd be surprised at how much reading you can get done in just snippets throughout the day. And that is valuable. That is a valuable. Remember, reading the Bible and studying the Bible is not the same thing. Okay? You can't really study your Bible two minutes here and two minutes there. But you can read a chapter three minutes here and three minutes there. And I'm talking about reading, not studying. Reading your Bible. And there's value in reading. Okay. And we fool ourselves if all we do is, quote, study, and that is we delve into a particular text and really try to understand that text, and we spend all our time, let's say, in the book of Ecclesiastes for a year. Uh, no, we need to read the whole thing. That'll really aid our study. So I'm not saying don't study, but I am saying at least read your Bible through, and if possible, read it more than once. Another way is listen to the Bible. Now, I'm not an audible learner. I am very much a visual learner. I don't like 
listening to instructions. I don't want somebody to tell me how to do something. I want somebody to hand me a manual. I want to read it. And please don't give me pictures. Okay. I want to read it. I want to understand step by step on how to do something. So when I say listen to it, for me personally, listening to audio tapes doesn't do a whole lot. But it might for you. It might for you. And so read it. And, uh, you know, put a tape in while you're in the car. If you had a commute to work, half-hour commute, listen to the scripture every day. Uh, if you're a housewife and you say, man, I just, you know, my, my kids are little. I just don't have any time to, to read. You know, I've got to do diapers, like all this stuff. Well, put in a podcast, put in a DVD, put in something in which you can hear the word of God in the background. Is that the best? No, but it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing, okay? And my goal this year is let's do better than nothing. And then for those of you who have already been doing better than nothing, let's do better than we did last year. Let's just think about ways in which we can improve. Give ourselves more and more to the word of God. Use an app that sends a reminder if you uh, fail to read. Uh, Pastor Dave uh, has included in your insert uh, new version of the Bible, information about that. Uh, you can download free uh, versions of the Bible to your computer, to your uh, Kindle Fire, to uh, your phone, to all kinds of electronic devices. Go there. If you go to our website, there is a resource center there. There's plans, etc., for reading your Bible through. But if you, you, I don't particularly use you version. I use another. But you know, you can you can uh, get um, daily uh, reminders that if you don't check off that you have read today, it will send you a, a little notice and say uh, you didn't read today. It will uh, guilt you into uh, reading the scriptures. Uh, it will keep track. Uh, so. You know, whatever benefit you can derive, do that, okay? Last tip, if you fall behind, if you start out well, okay, and you're in Genesis and you got Genesis and Exodus, and then you hit Leviticus and Numbers, and, you know, uh, and you grit your teeth, and then all of a sudden you find yourself behind a week. Don't panic, okay? And don't give up. I would encourage you to jump to where you're supposed to be. Okay? So if you miss a week, if you miss two weeks, don't just give up and say, well, next year I'm going to do better. No, 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 no. Jump to where you're supposed to be. Continue on faithfully from there. Scripture reading will produce more Scripture reading. And then... As you have time, you can go back and try to catch up as you are maintaining your schedule. As opposed to trying to catch up to where you presently ought to be. Okay, So jump to where you're supposed to be, continue on faithfully, and then try to catch up if you can. I hope that you will give yourself to reading the scriptures this year. It is of great, great benefit. It's of great value. Uh, you are going to really appreciate the fact that you have. And I, I know many, many people do. I'm tempted to 
ask how many people read your Bible through just as a way of encouragement, but I don't want to embarrass people that but don't. But here's the insert. Also in the back, uh, we have uh, three different Bible reading plans available for you. Uh, you can pick those up, chronological or uh, the uh, order that they appear in the scriptures, uh, the canonical book order, and uh, blended New Testament and Old Testament together. Whatever the case may be, give yourself to the reading of the scriptures. Let us pray. Our Father, we pray, O oh God, that you would uh, help us to be uh, faithful in uh, the study of your word, the reading of your word. Uh, Lord, uh, help us to make a resolve this morning to uh, at least read the scriptures through uh, this year in its entirety. It means three chapters a day on average. Uh, it means uh, probably about 15 minutes a day uh, if we read slowly. Uh, we just ask that you would help us and uh, Lord, may your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. As Pastor Heller comes, let me just say, um, a, a slow reader is 200 words a minute. Okay, that's considered a slow reader, 200 words a minute. If you read the Bible at pulpit rate, now that's not my pulpit rate, that's most people's pulpit rate, okay? Uh, it takes 80 hours to read the Bible through at pulpit rate, okay? 80 hours, that's it. That's all, okay? You can do it in just 80 hours, okay? If you don't believe it, time yourself. Time yourself, and uh, you're going to be amazed. Okay, Pastor, if you would, you would come.